the music, cut the music. We don't get music. Nobody gets music. We're going to be like the Leafs in. We're not going to start on time. We have a podcast where we get to come on here and talk about sports. We have a lot of fun doing it. I enjoy doing this with you. We have a lot of great guests that come on. This is probably going to be the weirdest 15 minutes of a podcast that we're going to have to do. Um, Ian, I'm going to let you start with the Leafs, but I just want to say one thing. As you know, I haven't talked about the loss. I haven't talked about the collapse. I've stayed out of it. I haven't read anything. I haven't watched anything. I, I couldn't. I've been talking to you, dad, the brothers. Normally when this happens, it takes a few days, but I'm back. You know, you can go back to being disappointed. Probably weren't the better team. Look forward to next year. So I apologize to all the listeners in advance. I may miss some things. I may scream. I may just not be able to talk. But we got to do it. The Leafs blew a 3-1 lead in a best-of-seven series to the Montreal Canadiens over 10 days ago. We are here to talk about that. So, Ian, how were you feeling when they lost, and how do you feel now? Thank you for giving me that opening, and um, I'm going to shut up for a minute. I don't really know that there's much to say. I mean, as soon as the first 10 minutes of the first period happened, you could tell. It was the same thing that it was in Columbus in Game 5 last year. It's the same thing that we've seen. I can't remember the year. Whatever year Anderson got shelled. It's the same thing over and over, right? And it, what it comes down to is that this is not a – this is not a skill thing. This is not a talent thing. This, I mean, this may not even be a roster construction thing. You know, they just don't have it. And I don't know whose fault that is, but when you get this opportunity to take a fan base from the depths of despair and just give them something, you don't have to win the cup, just win a round. I don't know how you come out in game seven and games five and six for that matter. But I don't know how you come out in game seven and not be ready to play. And that's exactly what happened. And Montreal just survived and lasted and fought. And that's why why they're in the conference finals. It's why they're four wins away from playing for the freaking cup. That's why. And at the end of the day, like, you know, we talked about this, talked about this last year with Columbus almost about a year year ago, um, you know, maybe about 10 months ago they got eliminated by Columbus in the play-in, was that, well, okay, we're going to slice up blame pie. Well, where does it go? I don't even know where it goes. I know it doesn't go to Kyle Dubas. That I know for sure. I think, I think if anything, you know, Kyle Dubas listened to us dumb shits talk too much. He filled the team with too much grit. It was an overcorrection. Right, because when Simmons and Jumbo and you know all of those bottom six dudes who aren't Spezza get on the ice, none of them can drive plays and drive winning and drive like when you're driving winning, it doesn't necessarily mean scoring. It means making an impact. And all those new guys he brought in, right? Like Brody was excellent, but all those new guys he brought in to sort of fix the sandpaper problem didn't fix the sandpaper problem. Sure, did I love seeing Wayne Simmons square up on guys? Sure. Sure. But, you know, the reason the Islanders go where they go is because they took 
John Tavares's money and spread it amongst three guys. And it's not a talent concern. It is a will concern. And the Islanders have that will. And the Leafs don't. There's no excuse. And I, I, we don't need to talk about the contracts. It's not what it's about. There's no excuse not to come out in a game seven and be ready to play. Knowing the gravity of what you're facing. Right? Like, you know, against Washington, we could blame that against them being young. That's not a thing anymore. Right? Like, th- these are dudes that are, you know, Matthews is coming up on his third contract. His third. Mm-hmm. What's the excuse here? I think the grit thing, and, you know, Chris Johnson, uh, it's funny, ahead of this, I, I had to force myself to watch Dangle and force myself to listen to, this, to the Chris Johnson podcast. And one thing that he mentioned, it's funny you mentioned it as well, is I think that Dubis will now gently correct back the other way towards we need to be fast, skilled, the, the game that he wants to play. The Thornton Simmons, Spezza to a lesser degree, I think that that just shows that it's not on the ice. It's between the ears. These guys don't, when you say they don't have it, it's not skill. It's not speed. It's not strength. It's not hockey IQ. It's right up here in their head. They don't, they don't have the perseverance, the willpower, the fucking Brandon Shanahan said it at a press conference after losing in the playoffs or playing for four or five straight years is they don't have, we need more killer instinct. I'm sorry. Joe Thornton is not bringing you killer instinct. That's not a knock on Joe. Joe has it and has had it for his entire career or, you know, a modicum of it. He's been actually criticized of that before, but he has leadership. So does Simmons. Simmons will kill you. Matthews, Marner, don't have it. They don't. I I want to get to what happened, but you know, we talk about how we feel. Columbus, I was disappointed. You know, I was disappointed. I felt they were the better team, but watching them all year, they were such a flawed roster. They were not good. They weren't good. Like Matthews was good. Marner was okay. JT always does the right things. But that defense was atrocious. They didn't have goaltending. They didn't have specialty. It's a bad team. It was a bad team. You couldn't really say that about this team. Yes, they played six Canadian teams. And we can sit here and say that they weren't the best. I think that's an understatement. But this team was well-constructed on paper. In, and in practice, this was the best defense that they've had in almost two decades. This was the best goaltending that they've gotten in a very, very long time. They got the Rocket Richard winner, a top five in points in Marner, John Tavares and William Nylander on the second line. And they got this depth, this, this overwhelming leadership and depth. And last year, when you walk out of that playoff series, Ian, what do you and I look at each other and say? Well, we know at least what needs to happen. Tyson Berry needs to be gone. Cody Cece needs to be gone. You need to do something about Kapanen and Janssen because they're making too much money. Anderson wasn't good enough. What are you going to do with that $5 million? What are we going to do here? There's a roadmap. What roadmap do we have in front of us right now? How do we, how do we feel? I'm angry. I'm well, angry. 
if we want to talk about the roadmap, one of the, again, I think Dubas this year did an outstanding job finding a way to maneuver the cap to get a team, you know, get guys like TJ Brody when that with, with the cap issue shouldn't really be a problem. Like we don't give enough credit for the Campbell trade, how well that worked out. I thought Bogosian definitely more than served his purpose. Absolutely. Right. Um, you know, the Riddick deal and the Nash deal, they didn't give you much, but those are those are deals that potentially give you give you something either A in a worst case scenario or B as you move along in the playoffs. Neither obviously neither of which happened. But I think the next step has to be I think you need to evaluate Sheldon Keefe and decide is this Mike Budenholzer? Right? Is this a regular season coach who can't adjust? Fair, fair that comment. needs to be a discussion that ha- that is had. Um, I think you need to address. Well, and, and to that point, let's not let's not fly over that. This is two playoff series in a row where they played a team that came out with one thing, one mindset. Right, play hard, get pucks in deep, clogged and clog the middle of the ice. Right. Well, I, and I, you have to adjust. It the one thing I would until say, the last power play of the fucking series to put William Nylander on the half wall because he can actually shoot a goddamn puck. Yeah, Willie, and it, I, I never want to hear just while we're no, at it. I never no, want to hear the no. William Nylander bad contract again. I mean, he he. There were stretches where he was forget our best players, the best player on the ice, with the exception of Carey Price. And I think that's the other thing too, right? I mean, this is back to back years you've run into really hot goalies, but you know, as much as we want to blame that, like, look, that's the playoffs, man. Jack Campbell was a hot goalie. What are we it, talking about? He had better numbers and, and than look, Carey Price until game seven. And look, I, I, again, I think if we're, if we're tossing out blame, you know, we have to evaluate Keith. You have to evaluate Shanahan too. I think the problem with evaluating oh, he should, Shanahan, he, he should be gone. The problem with evaluating Shanahan is that you have to evaluate all the decisions he's made. And part of those decisions he's made is Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe. So if you're evaluating Shanahan, you're evaluating all three. And if you're firing Shanahan, you may have to fire all three. Because the next, unless you're making Dubas the president, which you aren't, you doesn't get a promotion for this, right? No. So that, this isn't that's Brad Stevens. No. To me, I think that they're gonna, it's going to be a run it back situation. Now, again, with that said, if you talk about the roster, the one thing that Dubas did that was not smart and continues to not be smart is the Mitch Marner extension. And it kills you because that dude, while he's valuable on the penalty kill, this is what, three years in a row with this? 18 straight playoff games with no goals. It's time. That's it. I don't care how good you are in the regular season. I realize that you're going to play on Team Canada's top line with McKinnon and McDavid, and it's going to be intoxicating. I get it. You're an intoxicating talent. But at some point, I need something. And I either got to turn Mitch Marner into an all-world level $9 million player. I'm not saying this, they should trade him for this person, but a la a Kucherov. Someone who makes the $9 million, that extra $2 million can be used somewhere else. Or you need to do what the Islanders did. And the Islanders took an $11 million player in John Tavares Turn and him turned three. him into two or three. So yeah. that needs to be the goal. Now, those two or three, you got to cherry pick guys with long-term manageable money. Not, you know, not guys that you got to sign again in a year. You know, like you had to do with Barry. And thank God you didn't. But that's got to be the move. And, and look, like, I'm not, I don't want to be the guy that, you know, hot takes and throwing out, oh, trade Mitch. He's got to go. It's time. 
It's um, time. And I feel bad for Matthews as they play well together, but it's it. It's over. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they aren't trading Marner. That's not Dubas's MO. Um, then they're going to a- continue to get the results that they get. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. One and, of those and- $11 million guys has to go. And one of them is 18 months from being untradeable. The other one, and is the captain, the other one just finished third in Hart Trophy voting and plays the right position, and the other and is Mitch Barnum. won the Rock Richard, and this is the second on, playoffs man. in a row where Austin Matthews analytically, analytically was dominant. He was great in his own zone, shot attempts, expected goals, the whole fucking thing. But at the end of the day, and this is what dad, I got to give dad credit for this. I, he is overly critical of, of Matthews, like 23 of the 24 hours a day, but you got to score, you fucking guy. Like, that's what you're here for. You get the, you get the tough assignments. That's your, that's your job. Yes. Philip denoted a great job against you in the playoffs. He has been kind of your kryptonite over the years, but guess what? You make this money to score the fucking puck, but at least, uh, listen, uh, Austin Matthews, let me say this unequivocally, say this unequivocally. Austin Matthews does not get a pass here. No pass. No one on this no roster way. gets a pass. No one. That isn't Jason Spezza, Alex Kerfoot, even though he was terrible in the regular season, and Zach Bogosian. None of them get, and Jack Campbell, none of them get a pass. None. They all either make enough money to not get pass, or it's we win and lose as a fucking team. Austin Matthews does not get a pass. Okay, he doesn't. But I agree with you on this. Mitch Marner is going to be the scapegoat of this playoffs, rightly or wrongly. No, he needs he needs to be. He's going no, to be. Look, Austin Matthews needs to, needs to hunt goals more. When when Alex Ovechkin's on the ice or Leo Dreisaitl, these like high, 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 high level goal scorers, right? Guys, that that's what we do. Now Matthews is a you know you could argue more complete player than those guys, but the thing with they hunt the net. Anytime they're on the ice, you are scared to shit when they get the puck. In the playoffs, the, you know, typically, though, that guy is Marshawn and Pasternak. You're scared to death when they touch it. Just when they touch it, right? Matthews, there's no panic. There's no fear because he's not hunting the net. You need to – you are so gifted. Everything you do in the offensive zone needs to be, how am I going to rip this shot past the goal? And – that, that's what it comes down to. And, and unfortunately, he spends too much of the game standing straight up. But with, again, with Matthews, because I get everything and he plays the right position, he doesn't get a pass, but that's the one I'm keeping. And Tavares in 18 months is untradeable. Marner is the only one. And that's why with, with Matthews, again, he's not getting a pass from me. All these analytics that show how great he was. I watched every game. Okay. He was good in spurts. He wasn't consistently dominant. Now, he does hunt the net. He loves to score goals. He scored 40-plus goals in 50 games this year. But that wasn't the case in the series. Scored eight more goals than anyone else in the league. That wasn't the case in the series. He he had moments, and he got unlucky in game six in overtime. He was hunting the puck. And and honestly, I don't want to pick on Marner, but you know what? The guy's on a two-on-one with Matthews decides to keep it shoot. He's on a two-on-one with fucking Alexander Kerfoot, Jason Spezza, Riley Nash, who else? And this guy's waiting, waiting, waiting. They're not going to trade Marner. And the 
the logical thing to do here is just to everyone take a breath and run it back. The problem is everything about the Leafs is illogical. You don't, they should have swept this series. They shouldn't have lost game one. The John Tavares injury was crazy. They're closer to sweeping this series than they are to losing it. And they fucking lost it. They lost this series. I have no idea what they do going forward. I don't even want to get into the expansion draft, which is going to be one of Hall, Kerfoot, Dermott gone. We have to sign a defenseman in order to protect the people that we want. I don't even want to go there. Anderson's, I don't even want to get to that. There's enough of the summer to get to that. I'm glad we didn't do this right after. Um, By the way, one quick thing before we bring on Murph. You're picking on Mitch Marner because he deserves it. Like, hey, I'm I'm not saying you should bully people. No. I'm not saying that. And not, I'm not per- saying no, you should no, go not, online. Do not yeah. personally no. abuse anyone. I don't no. no one no one should hate Mitch Barner. He seems like a wonderful man, wonderful human being. Right? So no one go on his page and be a dick. But yeah. He okay. deserves a big piece of the blame. So, so he let's deserves do that. a lot of it. Like, let's do that. His let's do hold on. Let's do blame. His pie. performance is unacceptable. Let's do blame pie before you get to Murph. Because to me, the biggest chunk has to go to. I know that we Matthews and Marner themselves are 60%. They have to be the largest chunk. But when you have a season this successful in the regular season, and you hear it all the time, to me, you got to look at the top. I said it last year. When you have dysfunction in your organization, when it comes to a mental struggle, mentality issues, a way of thinking, it has to look to the top. If a company is deeply rooted with dysfunction when it comes to performing at the right moments, they do not fire the support staff. They fire the CEO. That's what needs yeah, to happen. I understand, but I mean... I'm not ready to talk about em- the roster. Was this I'm not em- ready to talk about the roster. Was this embarrassing? Yes. Yes. It was gut-wrenching. It was a gut punch. With that said, right, like... Now, is it easier for Tampa because they won in 2004, I want to say? Sure. Of course it was. But, you know, there are organizations that go, look at Edmonton. I mean, there are not that you want to compare yourselves to Edmonton by any means, but there are organizations that go through embarrassment all the time. And Edmonton hasn't had a steady front office in years, and it's hurt them, right? I'm not saying that you need to keep everybody because I don't know what the answer is. And, but and the if is they, if, just if Larry T, if Larry T, and ownership and everyone else believes in what they are doing. And look, there's a lot of there's a lot of reason to believe in what they're doing. Austin Matthews is really good, right? Mitch Barner's really good. TJ Brody's really good. John Tavares and William Nylander are really good. Like, I understand why you believe in what you're doing, but I think their problem this year is that they tried to play the middle too much. And in reality, I think it's not about oh, I need to play this particular style because that's what the playoffs are. It's just about having good players and putting them on the ice. And they just didn't have enough good players to put on the ice. It was like the Raptors this year. You know, you get to the end of the bench and you're like, oh my God, it's DeAndre Bembry or Stanley Johnson. It's like, I'm sorry, you're not going to win those minutes, right? Luckily, Alex Kerfoot stepped into a top six role beautifully. But guys like Mikheyev and who were all stressed out was going to leave next year. But guys like Mikheyev and Thornton and Simmons and on and on down the bottom six, Brooks or whoever, they don't give you anything. 
right? Like we may think they're, and it's a Toronto sports thing to, to overvalue those players. I'm sorry. They do not give you anything or they don't give you enough. And I, and that is the main reason why trading Mitch Marner for three players makes sense because yes, in the regular season, is it going to suck? Yes. But in the playoffs, there's just a better chance you're putting good players on the ice. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. That's why the Islanders win. They start their fourth line. They have on full at forward. They have like 13 or 14 good players. I right? that's how it feels. I want to end it here. I think that in part, you're partially right. I think their bottom six was too. How do I put this? But outside their, of Spencer, their, who gave you anything? I'm just saying, I think their bottom six was too one dimensional. Right. And a lot of that dimension was leadership and off the ice stuff. With that said, that's not why they lost the series. They lost the series because they they didn't get enough production out of their top six and because of the Toronto fucking Maple Leafs. That's why. Can I say one last thing before we go? That's why. Another reason that this went poorly is because someone told Kyle Dubas that he needed grit and leadership. And they gave up a bunch for Nick Felino for reasons that I don't quite understand. I, I was hoping we I, didn't get there. Because- I hated it at the time. And I, no, because I want to give Dubas credit for the roster he put together. This is the best lever roster of my lifetime, period, end of story. And he's made mistakes. He needs to be called out for those mistakes. He should be. Just, just like my praise. The Nick Felino thing was an utter disaster. Seems like a it nice was. guy. It was it an was. utter disaster. I cannot give up unless I get control like Tampa did with Coleman and those guys. Barkley, you cannot give up that Coleman, for yes. someone who does not. They listen. They gave, no. I told you this at the time they made the trade. They gave this up knowing he's going back to Columbus this year. He's going back. He played two games in the playoffs, and I'm and sure. I'm sure. Them. I'm sure that that hurt. He was good in the first one. I'm sure that when he played center to fill in for JT, he played really well in game two. I will say this though, that I'm I'm sure. As you said, that probably hurt no one more than Nick Foligno. They have a lot of UFAs. They got to re-sign Zach Hyman. I think that's that, another one. I Good think by sitting that. Riley Nash, that was a problem. I told you this. The bottom six, at least if he comes in, he does nothing. As in nothing happens against him and nothing happens on offense. That's what you want out of your bottom six sometimes in the playoffs is just stagnant neutral zone play. And that's why I think Keith needs Keith needs blame here. He needs blame and people need to realize, yes, he has a great record. Yes, he took this team to places that other teams haven't been before. But in the playoffs, guess what? Two fucking duds. And I I, I and will say this. It needs to be said, if Zach Hyman's your best player, which he was, him and Nylander probably. No, Nylander was, Nylander was their best player. Yeah, but Hyman, Hyman was stretches. bad. Was bad early. If anything, he got better when they were losing. He was, he was, he was driving. He was driving the play. He got better like, as it went along. That's a $5 million player easy. And you know what I liked about this, this conversation? Because we're going to get to, to uh, our, our friend Murph now. I like that we didn't bring up injuries as an excuse. Because this, team should, have beat, excuse. this team should have beat Montreal without Jake And Wilson, Winnipeg. Without John Tavares. Without Nick Foligno. Because they're that good. And that's why they deserve this type of reprimand. That's why they deserve this type of anger. And that's why I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. So let's end this on the Leafs. We're going to talk a lot about what their offseason construction is going to be. We're going to have Joshua Cloak back on. We're going to have Nick Papetti back on. We're going to work on Kyle Bukowskis. I know that he wants to come back on as well. All that I'm going to say, guys, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. So let's get to Murph and talk some Euro Cup. 
Well, we just finished what was a very depressing conversation between Ian and I, where we talked about the Leafs and you know what? We're going to just, I just one thing off our chest, Ian, the one thing that we forgot to fucking mention was as you just eloquently described is the clearest path to a Stanley cup was presented to them. They blew it now next year, Tampa, Boston, Florida, they're all back in their division. Thankfully, Buffalo is still there. Ottawa's going to be better. Florida doesn't scare me. No, but we always lose. When we're, no, but they got the kid. The, the, the rookie's killing it down there, too. So, uh, but, but let's get to some happy shit. At least it's happy now. Because speaking but, of teams that always break way, our hearts, we're going to talk about it. Exactly. Yes. It's going to happen yeah. again. But we're excited right now. We're excited right now. You don't now. know it's, that. It's Euro you Cup don't know that. 2020, even though it's 2021. We are joined by friend of the show, Murph Connor. What's going on, buddy? Thank you for coming on. Guys, happy time. Let's go. Let's go. I got my Chelsea Euros. shirt on. You got your Man City shirt on. Ian is United. wearing oh, United. Don't ever sorry. say City to Sorry. Him. Sorry. That's Ian the equivalent of being punched. Like, that is equivalent of being punched, calling him a City fan. So we're going to have a lot I'm, of fun I'm, here. We're, I'm going to give you a break because of what you just had to talk about. We're going to go through some odds. We're going to do some conversations, but I want to start with the three lions and Connor. I'm going to name the roster for people who may, may not know yet. They should Uh, in goal, Dean Henderson, Sam Johnston, and Jordan Pickford defenders, Chilwell, Cody, James McGuire, Mings, Shaw, Stones, Trippier, Walker, and Ben White. The midfielders is Jude Bellingham, Henderson, Mount, Phillips, Rice, and the forwards, Calvert-Lewin, Fodden, Grealish, Kane, Rashford, Saka, and Sterling with Sancho as well. So that is the three Lions roster as we head into this. That's the 26-man roster. Alexander Arnold is famously and infamously not on the roster right now because he wasn't on the team then he made the team, and then he got hurt. So my first question to you is there are a lot of question marks around this team. Talent, not necessarily one of them, but health, the formation that they want to play, and goaltending, I think, are three big question marks. Is there one that you want to start with? Uh, you want not goaltending out quick? I feel That's like that one's it. pretty easy, at least for me. Um, uh, Pickford had a, an insanely up-and-down year at Everton. I don't trust Sam Johnstone as far as I can throw him, which isn't very far because my upper body strength is crap. Um, Henderson played half of United's games, which I never really love going into an international tournament. I, I, ideally, you have a goalie that's in form and maybe even a little bit hot, but I wore my United jersey for a reason. I think Henderson, Henderson should be starting. He should be, but will he? I don't think so. Uh, I, I think Southgate's a little too chicken shit to change it up from Pickford. So if you want to start in net, I want to start on the attack. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out a concern I have for you, and I want to get your feedback. This team was better last year, or last in uh, World Cups, when Raheem Sterling sat. And that's a problem, because when you, play, when you see him play at Man City, He's constantly, constantly, constantly popping the doors off the D. He's so much so, better at club level. I don't get it. He's unstoppable with City. Unstoppable. So my question is, can Southgate unlock Sterling at all? And if the answer is no, 
are we better seeing Sterling as a super a sub? supercharged Lucas Mora type off the bench and starting Kane and Rashford? This is tough because I think this is one of the things we disagreed on in 2018. Um, and I'll admit, Sterling's inability to finish at times might be the most frustrating thing to watch, especially when you see just how good he is with City. But it, he creates too many chances, man. Like, even, I mean, just him with the ball in the box alone, like, you almost can't defend it. Even if he ends up flubbing a pass or something like that, like, no, no one can really step in and try to stop him. So when I see Sterling at City, I mean, I, I obviously you'd love to see a little bit more of that when it comes to the English national team. I just, I, I think it's tough because he creates so many chances for that team. And at the World Cup, you know, it was him and Kane up top. There wasn't a whole lot as far as them creating width for him unless the fullbacks were really getting forward, which they tried to do. It's just, it's tough to do that. And then also have to trek back for 90 minutes. And if it's a knockout game, you maybe have to do it for another half hour. So I, I really think that what we saw out of Harry Kane this last year being able to drop into more of a center attacking midfield role if he's not finding the ball and playing it up to his teammates that are making good runs like I know Sterling well, can make. To I, be I fair, teammate. He passes to teammate. Yeah, fair. But Teammate. He passes to one person. Son. And that's it. Yep. Those two just totally. pass to each other. Yeah, which is totally fine. But I mean, it, if I think Sterling can play that role. I, I really do if they absolutely need him to. You know, and I'd like to think ideally they have at least one more guy up there that can help press the line with him and cre create him and someone else a little more room. Yeah, but isn't that Fodden? I think it can be. And I that's why that and that's why I want to ask, because we've already so in the previous World Cup, so much emphasis by Southgate was put on set pieces, right? It was we they're a set piece team. But Coming into this, it looks like it's going to be more transition football. And they're going to play a 4-3-3 against weaker competition and a 3-4-3 against stronger competition. So my question to you, Connor, we're going to get to – and Ian's – I know Ian wants to know what you think Southgate is going to deploy. But I want to ask you, Connor Murphy, your manager of the Three Lions, congratulations, you made it. What is Sick. your what is your starting eleven? All right, we are going with a four two three one. Shaw, Stones, Mings, and Kieran on the back line like with a Shaw. little bit of freedom. I do too. I think he's yeah, the best. Like I, he might he's actually be the play. best left back in the world right now. He has to play I, no I, matter the formation. Got to play. Uh, I think the two midfielders sitting just below him, I think you put Rice right above that back line, mm -hmm. and I think you put Henderson right next to him. Ooh. And I think when you put Henderson next to him, he can kind of go box. He just he gives you the versatility that you kind of need in international play. Like, yes, there's a little bit of quality lacking, but he also understands what's kind of needed in these tournaments. And he's been hurt for four months. Yeah, I, if he's healthy, I still think you got to play him just because he's able to help cover so much ground. Um I actually think you put Sterling above them in center attacking midfielder. You put Rashford and Grealish out wide and you give those three guys flexibility to flip wings, do whatever they have to do to help create space. I mean, if they notice Grealish is doing better out left, the other people transition to the other spots and vice versa, whether it's, it doesn't matter who it is, just help create space for any of those guys. And then you have Kane up top with Henderson in that. But we know that's not going to happen. 
no, I think that's how it's going to start. And then I think <laughs> midway through the second game, he's going to go back to deploying a 5-2-2. Well, Ian, do you have any comments on Connor's 11 before we get to what we know Southgate's 11 is going to be? If I want to play the attacking game, you know who I need? Trent Alexander-Arnold. Right? Like, I need that guy. And I understand that this initially was a, you know, hey, this was an injury. You know, sorry. It started as you're not making the team and now he's injured. The fact that that was even a discussion is what makes me nervous in the first place. Because, you know, I I don't know if you guys have been following, but Southgate is getting absolutely destroyed in the UK for this squad. Yes, Yes, he is. And it's they call her they're calling it confusing. So, look, I I, I do share Connor's concerns on the back end and goal. um, Although to me, it has to be Pickford, right? Like with this, I, I play the upside game and it's like, who can I, I? It's like Bobrovsky, you know, maybe not now Bobrovsky, but before Bobrovsky, we're like, he's either going to be like really all over the place or he's going to be absolutely unstoppable and there's nothing in between. And I, I just rather that than throw Dean Henderson, who, who can't somehow can't kick De Gea out of the net in Manchester United. And De Gea hasn't been good for how long, Connor? You kicked him out. Oh, with, he's the exception out of the Europa, with the exception of the Europa League final, yeah, he, he finished. Was, like, he became our okay, primary so fi- guy. Okay, he did it. Finally. He finally did it. How long he did made it take? It. Maybe he it was probably it. two and a half years late. So, again, I, I, I am in agreement with, with Connor and that concern. But, yeah, I mean, I, I have real concerns about how the midfield, I think, is really good. And the thing I like about the midfield is that it's nice and young, which I like. Um, every time I watch Chelsea, Mason Mount jumps off the screen. And But, yeah, the on, on at the front end, they got to find – they can't do what they did to Wayne Rooney and do that to Harry Kane. One of the reasons they were so good last time is because of how they empowered Kane, and they need to continue to empower Kane. And I think that is the one good thing that Jose Mourinho did in his time with Tottenham is that he empowered Kane, like Connor was saying, to make decisions with the ball. He wasn't just like this – you know, kick and run guy that you just kick it to and you're like, hey, man, make magic happen. Like, you're allowing him to get into the game. It was really nice to see him not just be looked at as a hold-up guy anymore because I, I really Correct. think that that was – I think that was hurting Sterling more than a lot of people thought in 2018 is Sterling felt like he could only play direct with Kane and couldn't actually link up with him. There's three players you missed. And, and not that, again, in your starting 11, you can play whoever you want, Manager Murphy. But Southgate is going to play Walker. He is going to play Chilwell. And he is going to play Rashford. All three of those guys are going to play. And Chilwell, way, does, Chilwell deserves Rashford, oh, and, and, and sorry, Mount is also going to play. Chilwell Rashford's the best play. forward on the team. Which is for the record. Which I'm sure. Rashford is the best forward on the team. He needs to no, play. No, Kane's the best forward on the team. Rashford is the best forward on the no. team. Period. Uh, you the, the weird thing you can play Rashford so many different spots, man. Like it's, I'm, I'm gonna let my fandom show if I keep going, so I'm gonna stop. When you tried, when you did your the the four, what did you do? Four four two three one was that your go to? Mm-hmm. I'm shocked you didn't have Chilwell and Rice there instead of Jordan Henderson because Chilwell has been fantastic this year. I think he has too. I just I. It's between him and Mings, honestly, and I think it's going to be the same thing when they go to a back three. It's going to be, okay, do we put him in or do we put Maguire in the middle because he's got a blockhead and a bunch of experience. True. Well, let's let's get to this last question on England before we move on to some greater Euro Cup questions. 
Connor, is this the breaking out party of Jude Bellingham? I really want it to be. He's so I, I don't think it's going to be. I just there you. I agree. I, I really like him. I like the kid a lot. I, I would nothing would make me any more happy, especially since I love watching Bortman play in Germany. I actually love the fact that some of these English guys are starting to realize like, hey, I don't need to stay here and get shit on by the media. I can go forge my own path. It literally saved Kieran's career. Like the whole reason Kieran's there is because he went to Atletico Madrid instead of trying to play for some mid-table Premier League team after Tottenham gave him that axe. And by the way, it I was just the right call. I just don't think it's going to happen. It was 100% the right call. I, I, I'd love to see Jude really step up and like start to make more of a household name for himself. Obviously, he's probably a household name in Europe, but to have more people kind of know who he is. I just don't know that it's going to happen. I just think there aren't enough minutes in the game. There aren't enough subs. Okay, well, really quick, because the biggest, you know, the the biggest fan favorite of the tournament right now for the Three Lions is uh, Bukayo Saka. Suka, sorry. Buka, uh, say it. Please say it for me. Bukayo Saka. Yes, for Arsenal. He is above and beyond. Everyone wanted him on the team. He made the team. Everyone's fired up in England over it. Can we see him play, and what will we see in Saka? I think we might see those guys. Honestly, I think we might see those guys get some run when they come. You know, when it comes to them playing Scotland, I think that's where a lot of these young guys are going to be thrown out there, like quite literally, to die because Scotland's going to be studs up on every tackle. Yes, sir. But it really just depends on how the first two games go. Like if they if the first two games don't go right, you know, I, I think Gareth's just going to go back to doing the same old thing just because he knows he has to. These kids to the knockouts and then survive and advance. If they can, I mean, they were also dominant in qualifying. So if they get through the first two games, no problem. Like I really think they should. Then I think we're going to see a lot of these young guys play that through game. So one thing I want, one more thing I want to touch on with England, and then we're going to get to the wider part of the tournament. And then we're going to go. The one thing I want to say about England in general is, first of all, thank God we're here and talking about this. And not talking about, you know, all those teams in the 2000s that were like, oh, we're, we're hanging on to the glory days. So, you know, Good how point. long, you know, how long were Lampard and Gerrard on the team? Like, f- absolutely forever. Like, Gerrard's out there in a wheelchair and they're like, oh, line him up, corner kick. And, you know, to be in a position that that is not the case anymore, I think for us as soccer fans and for people that support England especially, like, it's really cool because it, it just was not always this way. And, you know, and here we are, right? Like, you know, the old heads are, you know, the Maguires and the Trippiers and Kane and Sterling. We're not talking about like 35 year old men. This is a young Kane, team. Kane's only 27. Right. And he look. I mean, he looks like he could be my dad, but like, yep. you know, they, this is a young fun team. Good things are happening, which is the first time we've been able to say that in how long. This is going to be great. I'm yet, so excited. And yet Southgate still may fuck it up because he has his people. And that is why Walker yeah, is going to be. In I don't lineup. necessarily. I don't necessarily believe, though, that we look at this team and say, hey, this team should win the Euro Cup or win any international competition. No, for that matter. and yet but, they yeah. are favored. To win the Euro Cup. Yeah, and that's why. Up. And no, exactly. Great point. And that's why I want to trans that's why I want to transition here. We're gonna come back to pl- 
I want to integrate players to watch and teams to watch. Those are two of my segments here, Connor. But let's let's do it. Let's go group to group. Let's get everyone's thoughts. And I'm going to lay out betting odds as we go through. And if there's a team that you want that you want everyone here to make sure that they are watching their game or a player in that group that you want to make sure people are watching, I want you to call it out. Got a good deal? Game on. Let's start with Group A. Italy, Switzerland, Turkey, and Wales. Who do we got coming out? Yeah, I mean, I think this group's pretty chalk. The, the only thing that I may change, a lot of things that I'm seeing have Wales finishing at the bottom. I really think that they have a chance to end up getting that second spot from Switzerland. Um, unless a guy like Briel Mbolo ends up really going on some insane hot streak or, you know, Shakiri can find the same form he had at the World Cup three years ago now. I, I just think Switzerland's going to struggle to score. Um, whereas, I, I mean, Wales have a team, it might not be the strongest team in this tournament, but they've got a team full of guys that actually start at decent-sized clubs. And it also helps that – oh, my God, why did I screw his name? Pause, timeout. long hair guy, loves golf, Gareth Bale. Okay. It also helps that Gareth Bale ended the season pretty strong with Tottenham. So, Well, I, I agree with you. I think Wales could finish fourth here and still be extremely entertaining. Turkey is one of those teams that is very run and gun. It is going to have a lot of attack, not a lot of defense, but I still think Switzerland has the structure. Uh, I think it's chalk. Ian? This this group just makes me sad. <laughs> like It makes me I so I don't want to watch it. Yeah, like, I, I, you know, from... Here's the thing. If... UEFA or FIFA in general, FIFA is trying to attract casual fans to the sport. Having watching, having us watch Italy, Wales is not going to be the way, right? Like this group makes me sad. Like to me, it's Italy, Switzerland, Wales, Turkey. That's just what I think it is. Well, Italy is minus 210 to win the group. Switzerland to win the group is plus 500. Turkey plus 550. Wales is plus 800. I don't think there's any value in betting in group A. Connor, I don't think you disagree. Can we move on to group B? Yep, I don't disagree at all. I think there's a lot of value here. Belgium, Denmark, Russia, Finland. I also like chalk here. I know Denmark is frisky. But I kind of like Russia to sneak up into that second spot. They're always and the, solid. And the, ven- the the value on Belgium here at minus 150, I think is an auto bet to win this group. Be- Be- Belgium Belgium may fuck around and win this tournament. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Like, they may fuck around and win this thing. Kevin De Bruyne is legit. They just they brought Henri back, too. Yes. As one of their assistant managers, which I mean, I had continuity with all that stuff's huge. I mean, having the same staff that was there when they made, went deep at the World Cup's a big thing. If De Bruyne's healthy, I think this, I think they end up finishing in the top four again. So I, I got, I got Belgium. I'm going to put Russia ahead because shenanigans, Denmark, and then Finland. It, yeah. I wrote the same thing. <laughs> Russia, Russia's going to take a bunch of steroids and claim it's tainted horse meat or something and finish second in the group. Yeah, no, you I, are you I with Connor? That I, think, I want to agree that Russia's second, but I don't know. I kind of want one of these frisky teams to get up in there. You know, with that said, I, I'm just not sure Finland has the juice. 
So you know what? Let's put Denmark in the second spot and let's go then Russia, then Finland. So Michael has a real chance to be the best goalie in this tournament. I mean, he could carry Denmark through and even win a knockout game. So, so is he, I kind of like them there. Is he a player to watch for you, Connor? He's definitely a player to watch, but I'm also a keeper. So make sure that you call out teams to watch and players to watch as we get to group C, the Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia. Ian, you want an upstart is North Macedonia going to win this group at plus 2,400. Win the whole freaking thing. Uh, no, they're not. They're yeah, absolutely fair. not. Yeah, it, it, I mean, in what universe is this team? I'm sorry, you're not beating the Netherlands next. They should make a and trophy I, called them. I realize this is not my great. This is not our grandfather's, you know, Netherlands team. Like I, I, I fully recognize that. But like, come on, man. This is Netherlands' group. I mean, this is another group. I don't know. But what are we doing? I kind of like. This? I kind of like Ukraine to win this group. Connor, they were really good in qualifying. That's one thing I'll say about them. The, the Ukraine. God. Sorry, guys. One sec. I'm really tired. I keep losing my train of thought. I apologize. So the Ukraine You're... were really, really, really good in qualifying. I just I've seen it too many times where clubs like that because they have this weird continuity where all of their players play for the same two club teams, like end up making it through qualifying and doing really well. And then it comes time for the big tournament and things are way different because these teams are actually ready to go. Um, One thing to watch out for Memphis Depay has been linked to Barcelona. I know he really wants to move from Lyon. I think this tournament's going to be a huge motivator for him because he knows that if he plays really well here, he's almost going to get a pick where he goes. I'm going to skip group D and I'm going to get to, hold on, sorry. Group E that comes after D. I'm going to skip. I read it in the book. I'm going to skip group D and I'm going to get to group E because I think that there is immense value in group E Spain, Poland, Sweden, and Slovakia. Connor, is there any team to watch here? Is there any player to watch? Uh, I mean, Poland, right? Lewandowski just came off of an insane year with Bayern Munich. And I think he alone is going to make sure that they get out of the group stage. Like when, when you have someone that hot that's scoring and is in really good form, as long as the rest of the team keeps their shape, if he gets one chance, he's going to score that one chance. That's why I like him at plus 550 to win the group. I do. Yeah, I don't hate that. Spain is Spain, the clear favorite, obviously. They have – I don't know why. I can't put my finger on it. They have that weird – thing that i felt was it 2010 when france didn't win a single group game and patrice yeah. ever got picked off the team well like, same, yeah. same thing happened same well the same well portugal didn't win a single group game and then they won the euro cup in that same season so it can go both yep. ways yep totally but yeah i just i really like how robert lewandowski's been playing man i had oh, in this group he is the best player in this group Yes. 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 Sorry, Spain. Best player plays take, for Poland. Take that. Come on, Ian. Are you going to go chalk with Spain? I, I, if no, I were the pick, only if thing I, I would... the group winner, I think if we're picking group winners, just like randomly in fantasy, Connor, Ian, I think we're going to pick Spain. But for value at plus 550, Poland is nice value. I don't think this is, you know, I'd like it to be the Spain year where you know, they shit the bed, but I feel like they've done that 
a fair amount after their, you know, like they had their run where they won every year and or won every tournament and, you know, sort of, you know, stumbled a bit. So I don't think that we're, we're in range for Spain meltdown. Right. But one thing we do have to think of just for this tournament as a whole, every year, there's a major, major, major soccer program that completely lights itself on fire. You know, Italy not making the tournament. That's happened. Netherlands. Uh, Spain losing early. Netherlands. Germany, you know, pumping Brazil. You know, every year, World every Cup, year there's yeah. something yes. like, yeah, I know it was World Cup. But yep. every time we have this tournament, this or World Cup, doesn't matter, there is a huge, huge, huge squad that completely, that completely shits the bed. So before I make a pick of Group E, are we really saying that Team Spain? Because I, I just don't feel that that's the one. I I, just, I I think there's a really good chance it's either them or one of the next one of the teams in the next group that we're going to. But how can it be one of the next teams in the next group? Because at least two of them is not going to be the winner. That that's why I kind of like Ian's hypothesis of Spain. Because it's going to be good. Sweden's good. So where are we looking? So the major favorites: Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, North Macedonia, and Group C. There's no major favorite there. Belgium, Denmark, Russia, Finland. Yes, Belgium should shit on that group. And that value. Italy, Italy in Group A is it, ripe for yes, the picking. There. It is. Yes, it is. Especially, of course, they're going to win every freaking game one nothing, and it's going to piss me off. Correct. Italy are. Yeah, but, but at least Switzerland, Turkey, and Wales are like, like decent competition. So I, I like that as, as a choice. Belgium, the odds make no sense. Like I am literally hitting that. As, as we're talking here. But let's get to Group F. The Group of Death. Group F. France, Germany, Portugal, and Hungary. Oh, poor Hungary. Connor, it's your mic. I'm so happy about Take this. Take it away. Take it away. I think, guys, I think Portugal might fuck around and win the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really, really do. I think they might defend their title. Watching Pepe play for Porto in the Champions League this last season, like I, that guy's in the best form he's been in since this team won the tournament. Like, and when that guy's good and helping his back line, and this Portugal team is insanely deep right now, and I really do think I, there's a chance Bruno Fernandez ends up winning Player of the Tournament. Oh my God, I he's think, excellent. I, I know. I, I just I. I got to let one of you guys go because my brain just overloaded because I'm so excited to watch the Portugal team. France is the best team in the tournament, though. That's the tough piece. So that's my other thing. I think if France ends up making a deeper run than Portugal, that it's Conte ends up winning player of the tournament. Not Mbappe. Nope. All right. Well, Ian... So, okay, Connor, we haven't picked. We've been talking values and everything. They've been quick, but pick this – is, this is the group that we're going to pick. Pick this group. One to four, France, Germany, Portugal, and Hungary. I think France and Portugal tie at the top of the table. I think Germany comes in third and Hungary comes in fourth. Wow. So this is, so let me ask you something. Does third for Germany count as a disappointment? Or are they just like, ah, our division's hard? Uh, they could potentially move on or by finishing hard. third in this, turn, in this group. I think it's another failure and a much larger problem because after they flubbed at the World Cup the way that they did, 
I think if they fail to get out of their group here, I, I think that's big problems. And I think that the German football association needs to look at like reassess how they try to go about piecing this team together. Because I think it means that them trying to funnel everyone to Bayern Munich, but they can, isn't working anymore. I'm not going to pick Portugal to finish last, but I hope they do. Um, I got France coming out of this group. Number one, I think Germany is, well, they've won. So I was going to say they're like the Leafs, but they're not. England is the Leafs. Let's just all be clear about that. They have the betting odds on the, in their favor, and yet they've earned nothing. Well, the fact that you even have to think about who was the Leafs in this scenario is, it's honestly, England. I'm disappointed. I know. I'm sorry. Um, I got France. You know what, Connor? I'll go France, Portugal, Germany, Hungary. I'll, I'll side with you, buddy. I mean, how you know what I feel bad for is Hungary. What did they do to deserve this mess? <laughs> yeah, they really couldn't have gotten put in Group A. Like, right, or, just, or, or even just like a normal group. Just flip just Russia like, with Hungary. Just Right, just what's it. wrong with Belgium's group? Right, that's still a tough group. <laughs> this is the, why did they do this to them? You know, this is another thing. It's another thing. They always do this with this group of death. They put some sad sack shit team that just gets that has one spunky game where they lose 2-1 and then just gets shit blasted 10-1. No, it's the so, World Juniors. It's the World Juniors are over again where it's like they lose by not very much and that's their yeah, entire like, tournament. Thanks for coming but to the tournament. At least Kazakhstan. it's not North North Macedonia. Uh so okay, to me this group, us? to me this group, I, I think it's Portland France uh, Portland. Portugal France <laughs> like I saw Connor and thought Portland. Portugal France like yeah, I mean those two are going to be interchangeable. I never like betting on the team that won the previous tournament. Like, I know what happens. I think it happened most recently with Spain. So, like, I, I don't love that. Um, so, I'm, gonna, I, I'm with Connor. I sort of like that like that vibe. You know, the, this sort of the older guard, you know, Portugal team. I, I like it. So, let's so, go Portugal, France, Germany, Hungary. Ooh, see so a Portugal winning the group. Wow. I'll never bet against Germany, even though they cost me thousands of dollars in the last World Cup. So let's get to Group D. I think we're going to be disappointed here, man. England, Croatia, Czech Republic, and Scotland. And let's Czech scares me. Let me tell you two things before we start. Number one, Czech the Croatian team is plus three twenty-five to win the group. That should be free fucking easy money. money. Easy money. Free money. Let me also say this. You want to finish second in this group. You do. If you finish first, you play the second place team in Group F. So that is one of France, Portugal, or Germany. If you finish second, you play the second place team in Group E, which will be one of Poland, Sweden, Spain, or God forbid, Slovakia. You want to finish second. You want to finish second. Now, every competitive person in their right mind will say you want, want to, you want to crush everyone. You want to win. Give me Portugal. Give me Germany. But this is England. This is England. I don't know, man. So, by the way, here's my concern. I'm betting Croatia <laughs> to win this. My, my concern is this, is... If France, the France team from the World Cup was an all-timer, an all-timer, that team, if it wasn't for them, Croatia was so good. They were so good. They were so good in the midfield. It was insane. 
they could have won the whole thing. So Croatia is really tough. Scotland, as Connor mentioned, they want to bring guns on the field and shoot you. Correct. Particularly since you're England. They will want to beat England to a pulp without on question. The field and it in is going to be lot. yes. It's going to sound like and the Czechs, it's going to sound like war up there. And I feel like we play the Czechs every the Czechs every are, competitive and they're competition. Spunky, man. They're oh, they're spunky. good. Yeah, they're good. I, I just don't see like that's the thing. You know, at least if you're with Portugal, right? Yeah, I got to play France and Germany, but there's little hungry. I'm going to annihilate these guys and get myself get myself ready. Like England doesn't have that luxury, and they no. play Croatia right away. Yep, Sunday morning we're together. Quick question. Before we get to predictions, Connor, who is the Croatian forward? Mandzukic? Yeah, but I don't think he's on the Not squad. there. Right. No. So that's the thing. If Perisic isn't scoring, then who's scoring goals for him? And that's one winger. The one, th- I mean, really, guys, the, the one thing that, you know, we can complain about, I mean, I, I've tried not to mention Aaron Juan Basaka on this podcast because you guys are very pro Trent Alexander Arnold, but. One thing to say about this team is there is depth at right and left back. And I really do think that they're one of the few teams that can completely shut down guys like Perisic and make Croatia go back to the drawing board. Like if, if he's not scoring, I really don't know what they're doing. Cause I don't even think Rakitic is going to the tournament either. And hold on. All it takes, all it takes those, no, those, hang on. Those teams that struggle with offense, all it takes is a shitty Pickford moment. Like, and yep. those happen. Like, and that's all it takes. And that's the problem. Eng- is that th- a team like this is susceptible to that. And England is One- hoping that Declan Rice and Ben Chilwell will take Luka Modric out of the game. Kovacic is fine. He's fine. But he's not. Luka Modric is probably the best player in this, in this group. Are we okay saying that? No. We're not. I think I think there's five guys on England that are better than him right now. Five guys. Go ahead. Well, Grealish, Rashford, Sterling, Foden. Kane. That's four. Kane is five. Wow. And those are all guys all right. that can play the number nine role. None of them or, play sorry, defense. Ten role. None of them play defense. <laughs> Neither does Modric. No, but he can. He's very good defensively. <sighs> Fuck it. Let's go. What do you got, Connor? Because we got to get to two more topics. All right. England are going to win the group. I actually struggled with the second place team all day. I think there's a real chance Scotland gets out of this group. I think there's a very real chance that if that team keeps their shape and just beats the shit out of whoever they play, like Ian just said, it takes one goal. Uh, they're they're not short goal scorers. And at, at first glance, when you look at that team, you're thinking, why the hell are there so many people from the Scottish Premier League in this team? But I'd, I'd almost rather have... I'd, I'd rather have some of those guys that maybe play in that league and are a little more confident going into a tournament than guys that are, you know, like a Daniel James that plays for Wales, right? As much as I love that guy, it's... I, I'd rather have guys that are starting for bigger clubs in Scotland than guys that are super subs for any other team. Ian I, I think Ian and I it both felt really weird to say that. I think Ian and it I felt both, really weird to say that Scotland's going to finish over Croatia. I think Ian and I both have the same. Ian, uh, I got, got Croatia, England. I got Scotland, and then I got Czech. No, England's winning this group. Ooh, they're winning this group. And and if they don't, and if they don't, 
they need to fire Southgate like at half. Well, the World Cup's next year. So as long as they, it's, it's about how deep they go. So the last topic here, Connor, is the winner of the Euro Cup. I'll read out the odds. And then all of us are going to give our pick. And then we're out of here. England is plus 500. France is plus 500. Belgium is plus 600. Italy and Spain are both plus 800. Germany plus 900. And Portugal as well is plus 900. Netherlands, Denmark, Croatia, Switzerland, Turkey, all long shots ranging from 14 to 1 to 66 to 1. Who is winning the Euro Cup, Ian? England. England. I think I think I think they're going to win. I think if if there's any year, if there's any year, it's this goofy 2020 Euro and 2021. And it's going to take them to have to beat some wild teams. But I'm sorry, this team is as good as any. They should win. Two teams I really like to buy now. I would put money on the Netherlands and Portugal right now and watch them get out of the group and see what your buybacks offered if you're on a betting site that allows for it. Because those odds are going to go up. You'll make your money back and then some. Who's winning? I really, I really want to say Portugal. I really want to say Portugal. England are going to win the Euros. England are speak the it into existence. England are the speak Toronto it. Maple Leafs. So while they won't win the Euros, I will say that they will win the Euros because I really need it. I really hope they do. If I were to bet on a team to win the Euros based on value. I would bet on Croatia at 33 to 1 and Belgium at 6 to 1. But that Ooh, I like that one too. But that has been an addition of the From the Stands podcast. Friend of the show, Connor Murphy, thank you so much for coming on. Ian, sign us off, buddy. Regardless of your allegiances, this is one of the best sports periods we can ever remember. The fact that we are right in the middle of Hockey playoffs, basketball playoffs, Euro Cups, baseball's in full swing, golf's in full swing, WNBA's in full swing. We are loaded, loaded on our TV screens right now. So I know we're, we're all trying to get through this and everything else. Let's make sure we appreciate this time because, man, and F1 fans, like, you guys, there's everything going on right now. We're here. We love it. Let's appreciate it. Stay safe, everybody. Connor. Look forward to having you on for a recap of the of the England game. Thanks everyone. Talk to you.